morning, church. Everybody good? Everybody still full from Thanksgiving? Good? I need a show of hands first before we start. Who participated in Black Friday? Because y'all are crazy. Uh, my, my wife and I uh, made the mistake of going and trying to look at some of the Columbia deals that uh, and uh, the Pooler Outlets, and we were immediately um, met with regret and frustration and um, sorrow and um, depression. So it was, it was tough. So, um, but anyway, so y'all are braver than I am. Y'all are braver than, and, to do that. So um, if you haven't guessed, I was the guy on the video. My name is Michael Page. My wife's name is Savannah. And we are um, going to be the campus pastors in uh, Pooler, Georgia, through Connection Church. It's so cool to see what God's doing through the obedience of the church here um, to go out and plant more churches, and the vision and mission of our church is so um, so cool to be a part of, and so we're so thankful to be able to do that. It's so cool that, that you guys would trust us to be able to do that, and so and it's so exciting to see what God's doing in Pooler, as you heard. Um, the first, we had an interest meeting in October that had 55 people, and in November, we had an interest meeting with 84 people that came. There was 27 kids in that group, which was crazy, and so um, people are catching the vision of what God is doing in Connection Church all over Southeast Georgia, I'm seeing, so it's really cool. So um, if you're a first-time guest, um, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, if, if we have um, a first-time guest table out in front, if you want some more information about our church, we would like to have a record of your visit, just kind of see, um, just be able to keep up with you and kind of um, just, just pour into you a little bit. And also, um, there's a next steps table out there that you can um, hit up to if you need a Bible or if you want to sign up for baptisms or if you want to do um, anything involved with Connection Church. So hit that up. So all right, so we're in, the, um, we're in the fifth week of our series. Uh, it's called How Do I? And um, as you know, the first week we talked about personal, what a personal relationship with Jesus looked like. The second week we talked about prayer. We looked at the prayer of Jesus in John, and we, and we talked about on week three is how does God speak to us? Through, we looked at um, the story of Samuel last week. We talked about crisis and adjustment with the story of Gideon. And then this week we're going to be looking at obedience. And I pulled the short straw talking about obedience, I think. So um, and then we'll look at the story of Joshua. And so, but before we get going this morning, I just want to talk just for a quick second about what God's doing um, around you. Sometimes I feel like it gets so simple to be going through the motions of life that we forget to look up. We get so focused on our feet, we forget to look up and see what God's doing around us. And so what, what I want to tell you is if the Holy Spirit is not here this morning, we're, we're look kind of silly just kind of sitting here and talking and you know, just playing around and, and playing some instruments and talking to each other. But the Holy Spirit is here in Connection Church. I love it. He's changing people's lives. He changes people's hearts. And I, I just want to encourage you to take a look around and see what God is doing. Get involved if you're not involved because he's on the move, and, I, and it's so awesome to be a part of what God's doing. But before we do that, I, I just want to show you that um, this morning, if you have your Bible, hold your Bible. If you have your phone, hold your phone. If you have... We'll have the screen for those of you that don't fall in any one of those categories. We don't judge you, I promise. But um, I just want to share with you that if you open the pages of Scripture, there's opportunities every time you open the pages of Scripture for your life to be changed, for your life to be altered, for God to move in your heart in such a way that you're never the same again. Okay, we need to understand that anytime we're here listening to the Word of God being preached, anytime we're at home at, um, at, our, coffee, at our coffee tables or our dinner tables reading Scripture, that we're, this is not just a book. This is the inspired Word of God breathed on the page. And so it's important that we understand this morning as we're reading this that he, God can change our life through what's read, what's spoken here this morning, through the, the pages of Scripture. 
Okay, so let's, let's, let's go ahead and get our perspective right on what scripture is. And secondly, uh, my heart for you guys this morning is I love the church because the church is, is such a diverse place of, of people in different circumstances. There are people here this morning that, are, that are, are doing great. They're blessed. God is blessing them beyond imagination, and they're in a great place for the Lord, and God's speaking to them, and God's moving them. But there's also people here this morning that may not have heard from God in a long time that may have never accepted Christ, but may be going through heck right now. And so this morning, my heart for us is to that we would release ourselves from the enemy's lies about us, that we release ourselves from the, the enemy's, uh, just the, 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 the labels that he tries to put on us, saying we're not good enough. Okay, so this morning we need to release that because as you heard in the video, my wife and I went through a lot of stuff that I had to lay down. I had to, had to release myself from wherever the Satan was trying to, trying to hold me down. And so um, and the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about is, is that God loves you. He loves you. And that's something we need to hear more often. That God loves you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't want, he's not finished with you. If you're still breathing, you still have a purpose. Okay, and so I want everybody to hear that this morning. If you're still breathing in this room, you have purpose and you have a plan that God has for your life and you're not wasted space and you're not a wasted soul. Okay, so this morning, hear that. Okay, so fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. So let go, let's let go of whatever it is this morning that's holding us back right now. Okay, all right, so let's pray together and then we'll get into Joshua chapter six. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you're a God who loves us. You're a God who has a plan for us. And you're a God that's on the move and that you're not a dead, dormant, or distant God. We thank you that you're here with us now. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. You would move in our hearts and you would not let us stay the same as we walked in these doors. God, I pray for the person that's far away from you this morning that you would bring them close. God, that you would, I pray for the, the person who has a hard heart this morning. I pray that you would soften it. God, I pray that you would move in our midst this morning, God. And I pray that the only thing we can do is point to you and say that was God. So we love you. We thank you so much. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right, we're looking at Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 16, and then we'll look at verse 20. Okay, so it's, it's going to be a, a marathon, so y'all y'all buckle up, okay? Verses 1 through 16, but it's a great story. And there's so much in this story that it, you won't get all of this in this story just this morning. So take this, write down um, this, the ref, scripture references, and go home and study through these scriptures because God has implanted so much in this passage of scripture, okay? So go home and, and, and study this some more, okay? So it's this. Here we go. Um, Joshua 6, 1 through 16. Here we go. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone goes straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. So he was telling them to be silent. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. 
The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at, day, at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. And then skip down to verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged in, and they took the city. And so this morning, we're talking about obedience and how we experience God through the obedience that we give to him when he commands us to do something. As Christians, God is always speaking to us. Whether we have an attentive ear to hear is another question. Okay, this morning, I, I just kind of wanted to give you a visual aid. I'm better at visual aids. Are you guys better with visual things? I, I am, and I, 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 I hate for people to say, Here, here's what you do. I like for people to tell me, how do you do it? Like, this is what you do now, how, the application, okay? So I want to start off this way. Um, I have a dog, and his name is Major. One of my, I, I love this dog. This is him. Um, my wife and I, we bought him a, a while back, and we, we sent him to obedience school, um, and he's one of the smartest dogs I've ever been around. He's so well-behaved, that is until he sees something else that he wants. Okay, so like a duck walking through the yard or, or maybe a, a dog that he hasn't sniffed yet or a neighbor he might not have met yet or, or, or when we take him to see Dr. Moore um, in, in Pooler or in Bloomingdale or, or Falkville, I think it's Falkville, yeah. But um, we, take him, we take him to see the vet, and he goes ballistic because he knows he's going to play with dogs all day. He's going to see his friends. He's going to do all this stuff, and he acts like a moron. I mean, he, at home, smart, sits, lays, stays, shakes, all that stuff. Somewhere else, he's squealing like a girl, jumping like 10 feet in the air, or spinning in circles. He's going crazy. And so I, I was preparing for this sermon. You know, I was thinking, you know, he does all that, and he's obedient at home and when, I'm, when I'm with him. But then there, there's something that he desires more than me. He, 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 um, he takes off and shuts me out. I'm like gone. And so I was sitting there praying for this sermon, thinking about it. And I feel like God was kind of speaking into me and saying, Michael, that's a lot like you sometimes. You know, like, that's a lot like you. You do so well until you see something that distracts you away from me or something you desire more than my presence. And then you're gone. Can y'all relate to that this morning? I was, that spoke to me a ton this morning as I was thinking through that because this is what I think obedience is. When I think about obedience, that's such a dirty word for some Christians to say sometimes, obedience, I gotta obey. That's, that's, a, that's the center of our faith is obedience. But I think obedience is this. And, I, and I, I heard it a long time ago at First Baptist Church in Brooklyn, Georgia. Pastor Mike Howard said, it says, doing what you're told, when you're told, with the right attitude. And I was actually sitting with Dr. Moore, the, the vet. So... Go see him as a good vet, okay? Um, but this is a better, I think this is a better version. It says doing what God says, how God says to do it, and when God says to do it, okay? Doing what he says, how he said it, and when he said it. Those are the three things that you need to pay attention to because anything less than that is rebellion. And that's hard for us to hear sometimes because, you know, we like to live in that gray area sometimes as, as people. And, you know, it's either obedience or rebellion because with God, there's no middle ground. It's black and white, there's, black, there's no gray area with God. It's black and white. We don't get to dictate the terms of our obedience as, as, as believers. We don't get to dictate that. He speaks, we obey. That's how it works in a relationship with Jesus. And this is hard because we always lean towards that comfortable side of things, don't we? We try to lean towards the comfortable and the, and the safe. Like we, we're into the safety of, of, of life and of, and of situations. But 
But sometimes what God says doesn't, doesn't look like what we see. Is that right? Well, sometimes what God says is going to happen. We see this with Joshua. He said, the city's yours, but Joshua was like, there's bars on the door. You know? So what, what, we, what we see is, you know, is, is different sometimes. And, and the enemy loves this because he, he loves to use our problems to distort our perspective in life. Our perspective should be God. Everything else falls below that. If we, we can look in verses 1 through 4, um, Joshua 6, 1 through 4. If you have your Bible out, still read this with me. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into the, your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. So I read that. And I look at that, and if you do some study on the scripture, you can look at verses one, three, and four. Do not match verse two. They're totally opposite. They're like, they don't understand. It's like, what? We have the city, it's ours, but the gates are locked, and we have these primitive weapons of, of spears and, and bow and arrows and things like that. And the walls of Jericho, guys, were huge. Jericho, like, t- like relatively speaking, Jericho was a small town. It was like about six acres, is the, is the, is the area that I found. And, it probably took about an hour, maybe a little longer to walk around the walls, and, um, but the walls themselves were huge. The, there was two walls, actually. There was a wall, there was a 35-foot um, smooth stone sloped wall, and then there was another wall on top of that. The first wall was 11 foot tall. It was 14 feet wide, okay? Then you had the 35 feet, and then you had a 16-foot wall that was 14 feet wide as well. And so you think about that. These guys, primitive weapons, sticks, bow and arrows, like how are we supposed to, you know, the, the gates, the wall, what? And so it doesn't make sense to me as I'm looking at that. As an, if I look at that as an Israelite, that makes no sense to me. If that was me, I'd be like, so you say we have it, so how do we get inside? Are we supposed to dig? Are we supposed to knock on the door? What's supposed to happen? And then I start thinking about um, the soldiers. Think about the soldiers. They don't know what's going on. Um, Joshua didn't tell them the plan. He didn't say, this is what we're doing. God told Joshua and Joshua carried it out. Okay, look at verses 12 through 14. It says this, it says, Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. So they marched around, they just get up, they march around the city and they come home. So if I'm a soldier, if I'm getting up for six straight days, and I'm putting on my armor, if I'm putting on my sword, if I'm putting on my, I'm, we're about to go take this city and it's about to be awesome. That first day was probably, they're pumped up. Day five comes around and they're like, what are we doing? We're still walking around the same city and getting the same result. This makes absolutely no sense. And I think about their wives, you know, they, they come home, they, they get dressed, their wives kiss them goodbye, have a good day. Not sure if they're going to come back or not because they're going to battle. They come home, the wives say, hey, how was your day? It was, it was good. What'd you do? Well, I walked around the wall of the city a lot. And so uh, you, you think about this, they're, they're, they, this, it makes no sense. And so God had given Israel the city, but unless they obeyed God in that process, the walls would have remained up and no victory would have been won, period. The walls would have remained up. So I wonder, guys, how many times for us, for you, for me, that, that God brings us into impossible situations. Um, only to use them to strengthen our faith and to bless us, but we run the other way because it doesn't make sense or it's uncomfortable, right? How many of us have faced un- impossible situations? I hope, I mean, I'm sure we all have. 
there's, there's situations that we think that are insurmountable, that we can't get over, we can't get through this, I can't get past this addiction, I can't get past this divorce, I can't get past this, I need you, Lord. And so the thing is that God is trying to grow you in every season of your life to become more like Christ. That sanctification process needs to be something that we stay in so that we don't run away and we don't stun our growth. And so it's important that we understand that because we, when we do that, we miss out on that lesson that is found in the, in the process. We, we miss out on that lesson. And one of the, one of the biggest, the, the primary fruits of, of, of the Christian walk, of loving and knowing Jesus, is obedience. If you love Christ, a fruit of that will be that you're obeying his word as he speaks, as you read. And so obedience is definitely a sign of spiritual maturity in our hearts. And so this morning, I want us to hear that. And so there's three things that I want us to kind of focus on this morning um, when it comes to obedience. So we can look at in the story of Joshua um, um, it's, it's, there's, three, there's three lessons I feel like we can learn. The first one is that obedience it exposes our hearts. Obedience, whether we obey or not, exposes our hearts. Think about Joshua. He had been a part of the Israelites when they were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. He had been with Moses as he walked through the Red Sea. He had been with them throughout the wilderness. He had been with Moses following, seeing God move, seeing God move, seeing God be faithful, seeing the Israelites fall, but God still remained faithful. He had seen God's faithfulness throughout his life. He had seen that. And so you think about that, that's why I feel like he was so quick to obey God when he said walk around the city seven times and it didn't make sense to him. You didn't see any kind of hesitation. He said, yes, sir, and kept walking and walked into it. And so this morning, I think, you know, obedience, it exposes our hearts because our hearts, guys, will always be exposed by our actions. What we do is gonna be affected by how our hearts, the health of our hearts, because think about it. It's easy to say, I love Jesus and I trust Jesus, but do our actions prove that? Do you know what I mean? Like, does, it, do, does our actions, if nobody came to us and said, hey, are you a Christian? Would they know that we're a Christian? Right? Is it, is it, do our actions prove that? Are we seeking his glory? Or are we seeking our safety? Those are two things that we need to think about. Are we seeking his glory, walking in a step, obedience to him? Or are we seeking my safety so that I can make sure that I'm taken care of and that I'm safe? Then I'll obey Christ. Because that's usually the normal step for, for our cultural Christianity is, is I'm going to make my life safe. Then I'll start obeying Christ after that. And it's so important that we, we understand that we get that backwards. Because the word of God is more about doing something than knowing something. Because I, I, something that really struck me in this past couple of weeks is that I want to be a mature Christian and not a smart Christian. There's one thing about being a smart Christian. There's another thing about being a mature Christian. A smart Christian knows a lot of Bible verses. He knows how to pray before meals. He knows how to pray in public so he'll sound good. And they, they know how to, to, to talk the talk and, and all that stuff. But a mature Christian is one who walks the walk, one who, one who um, does what God says and puts himself in a position to listen to what God is saying and then following through on what he's saying. And so it's so important that, that we understand that that's where Joshua was. He was a, a mature Christian, not just a smart Christian. And so um, we look in John 14, and we're not going to put it up there, but um, John 14, it says it three different ways in there. It says it, it says it like this. You can write that down, John 14. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Verse 21 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then verse 23 says, if anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And then verse 24 is the opposite. It said, anyone who, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And so, like I said earlier, being a follower of Christ, God, he, he's black and white. 
And a lot of times we play games with our faith, with, with where we stand, or we, what side of the road, or we, where, where are we at with the Lord? And it's something that we always need to be asking ourselves is where am I at? Where am I at? How is, is my obedience saying that I am a follower of Christ am, or, or, am I, or, or does it, or is it not? Okay. Um, one of the greatest indications of whether our heart is blown to Christ or not is our obedience to his word as we're reading it. It's huge. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 21. I want to share with you some scripture about um, just kind of a, a kind of a visual of this story and how it looks because this is huge. It's, it's talking about a man and his two sons. So let's read this together. It's Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32, and it's going to be on the screen. It says, There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For God came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. So these guys were teachers of the law, and Jesus is telling them that the the prostitutes and the tax collectors believed before they did. That's a big punch in the gut. And so I'm telling you this morning is sadly a great number of people in the church around the world today have been fooled into believing, into living like the second son who has good motives but may not have the action. Because we have, we, we have the motives. We want to do good, but the action may lag. And so as we want to understand this is like the best way to put this, I think, is, is to look at the first son. He said he had a change of heart. He changed his mind, which is the, the definition of repentance. And I think repentance is something that we, that we see here but, but rarely teach in depth on. Um, I, I've been really struggling lately because God's been showing me the difference between confession and repentance. Confessing something and, and repenting of something. There's two different things and two different, two different practices. And so repentance is something that, that, that you change the way you think. And as you change the way you think, soon your actions will follow that change. That's how it works. And as we follow Christ, our hearts will be revealed by those actions. Is our heart being changed by God? Because if you lack obedience, it means your heart may not be changing. It may be hard. It may be, may be cold. It may be um, not in unison in step with the Lord. And so that's what I want you to hear this morning is, is, is that our hearts is going to reveal where we're at. So this morning, that's, that's number one. Number two is this. Obedience requires self-denial. Obedience requires self-denial. And this is huge for every person in this room, including myself. There has to come a time in our life. There has to come a time in our life where what God has spoken to us or what he's spoken over us or into us becomes more important than what people think about us. That's huge. Because so many people are hindered in sharing the gospel, um, sharing their testimony, just loving people because of what they fear, what people will think of them. Because we live in a people-pleasing culture. Proverbs tells us the fear of man is a snare. And it's important we understand, like it says in Galatians 1.10, that we're not here to please man. We're here to please God and through obedience. And without dying to our desires, we'll always run to what's safe. I'm, I'm safe because nobody thinks I'm a bad guy. Nobody thinks I'm a, I, I'm, I, I, you know, we, we run to the safety. So, which in the life of a Christian is usually in the opposite direction of where God's leading us and where he was wanting to move us. That, that's usually where it's at because I, and I'm gonna try to say this the right way, but if you're looking for a safe God to follow or a safe person to, to serve Jesus, it's probably not it. You can ask the disciples. The disciples all died trying to spread the gospel, except John. 
of God. Jesus is going to keep you safe and he's going to love you and, and protect you in times of, of, of trial and temptation. But Paul knew this cost. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees is what it says in Philippians. He had everything at his fingertips. He knew the law backwards and forwards. He had all the works. He had all the, um, all the things that, 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 kind of, that kind of fall under that, that perfect Christian kind of lifestyle. But what's the Bible say of what Paul said in Philippians 3.8? One of my favorite scriptures, it says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might, I might gain Christ. So all of that stuff means nothing unless I have Christ. And that's where our hearts have to be if we're going to align ourselves with what Christ is doing in our lives. Because if we can't say all oh, this is garbage compared to this, then we're, we're, we're worse than the idols. And, it, it, and it's tough to, to hear that, I know, because it's, hard, it's tough to say it and to, and to hear it myself, because I know there's things in my life that I need to surrender to say that Christ is worth everything that I have. He's, he's, he, everything else is garbage compared to him. And I believe if you look in the original text, that garbage word is an, is an expletive. So he was serious about it. And so, um, you know, if we're seeking, this is what I want you to hear, if we're seeking a life of obedience based off of that scripture, if we're seeking a life of obedience to God, we have to see the things that he has in store for us on the other side of obedience far outweigh and far surpass anything we can obtain on our own power. Any amount of money, any amount of houses, any amount of women, any amount of alcohol, any amount of anything that you want to drink or, 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 or buy or, or, or go after, God far surpasses that through our obedience as we, as we are obedient to him. So this is the issue, though, is sometimes we want Jesus as just a consultant and not a king. That's something that punched me in the face this week is that sometimes I desire God, I desire Jesus to just be my consultant to help me out when things aren't going that well. I got it until I don't have it, then I'll, then I'll run to you, Father. But Jesus is the king whether we want him to be or not. Jesus is Lord. We don't make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord. I saw something on Facebook this week about, he says, oh, you made Jesus Lord. You must have a lot of authority. But what, the thing is, is that Jesus is Lord, whether we want him to be or not, it's the choice is where we're bowing down before him and saying yes to what he's trying to do in our life. And so that's huge, guys. And so, you know, but we'll never be fully able to obey him until we're fully submitted to Christ's rule in our life. We have to get, understand that before we move on. We'll never be able to fully obey him until we're submitted. That's another hard word. Submitted to his rule in our life. And so, you know, you can ask the rich young ruler about that. He went away sad whenever Jesus told him what was, what was required to follow him. Number three. Number three opens us up. This is number three. Obedience opens us up to be a part of God's plan. Obedience opens us up to be a part of God's plan. Let me ask you this. Do you want to experience a shot of adrenaline in your faith? Do you want to experience that God's doing something here? He's moving. Become radically obedient every season. Everything God asks you, everything he does, everything you read, do it. Say yes to God and then ask for the what. Say, yes, God, I'm, I'm in. Now what do you want me to do? Like that's where we need to be at because it's, inc because it's incredible to me. That God, I, I would love to tell you my entire story, but it's incredible to me that God wants to use messed up people like me and messed up people like everybody that he's used because everybody's messed up in some way or another, right? So it's crazy to me that he wants to use messed up people to build his kingdom. And that's such a blessing and it's awesome. But you think about this, going back to our story, what would have happened if Joshua and the Israelites got frustrated or, or they stopped 
or they diverted to their own plan on lap four or five or six? What would have happened? You know, we don't know. Like they would not have received what God was trying to give and they would not have been able to be a part of God's plan if they had stopped early or if they hadn't finished what the, the, the thing that God called, called them to do. And so many people fall into that trap, sadly. I have before. Fall in that trap of quitting before, before they've reached their destination because they don't see the results they thought they ought to have. But I, I, I should be here, God, but I'm not. I, you know, we think, that, that's what I'm talking about earlier about our perspective. We think that we know better than God sometimes because we think, by now I should be married. By now I should have kids. By now I should have a house. By now I should have grandkids. By now I should be this far in retirement. By now I should have this much money saved up. We think that we have this, this, this crystal ball that we think that we know better than God. God has a plan that far surpasses yours and mine. Submit to that. Submit to him. Submit to him as he's trying to lead you and obey to what he's calling you to do. You know, you think about this, it would have been awesome if the Israelites started seeing like a brick fall on day two, a couple of bricks fall on day four, like, you know, right? We would love to see like results like instantly. Like, oh, the bricks are falling. We're doing it right. We're, we're moving. We're, everything's going. God's here. We're doing this. But so many people don't reach that destination because they quit before the last lap. It's huge. It's huge. And so, so many people don't reach that destination because they don't go around the seventh time. It's interesting that God tells them to march six times and to be quiet. Don't say a word. Just be quiet. March around six times. And then on the seventh time, shout. Because you think about the number seven in the Bible, it means the number of completion. And if you look at the number six, I had to do some research on this. Number six in the Bible is the number of man. It represents the imperfection of man's work. Man without God, basically. So they marched around the wall six times and nothing happened because they were, they were man. When God intervened on the seventh day, deliverance, walls came crumbling down, they, they received God's promise as he promised. It was exactly how he said it. So my question for you this morning is, will you say yes to what God wants you to do, even if, even if it doesn't seem like it's working? Even if it doesn't seem like what you're doing is working. Even if you've been walking for so long and you feel like you're tripping on your own feet and you don't know how you're doing what you're doing. You feel so inadequate at what you're doing. You're still going to keep walking because you know God's called you that. Well, you say yes to God even when it doesn't work out like you want it to. Even when it's not what you want to do, are you going to say yes? Because if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we have to say yes to get that title of follower of Christ. Do you get that? And it's so, it's, it's so important because this is what I want you to hear too is that just because our progress isn't obvious sometimes doesn't mean God's not moving in our life. Just because our progress is not always obvious doesn't mean God's not moving. Um, and God wants, he wants me and he wants you to focus on obedience and he'll worry about the outcome. He wants us to focus on the obedience and he'll worry about the outcome because the outcome's, outcome's his responsibility and the obedience is mine. Obedience is yours. It's our responsibility to do what we're told, when we're told with the right attitude. And this whole, this whole thing reminds me of a, I grew up Baptist, I'm a recovering Baptist. Um, and uh, I, I remind, I, I, it reminds me of a, an old Baptist preacher I used to listen to a long time ago. And it said, he said this, I'm, I'm not going to try to do his voice, but he says, this is his exact words. Brethren, whatever God tells me to do in this blessed book, I'm going to do. If I see that I must jump through a stone wall, I'm going to jump at it. Going through it belongs to God and jumping at it belongs to me. And that needs to be the way that we look at our lives and our, and, and, as, we're, as we're walking through this. And so a mindset like this takes work. It takes work. I want to give you three quick things to cultivate a lifestyle of obedience. 
three quick things. The first one is be consistent. It's not about one decision. I made this decision, now we're good. That's not a, it's a consistent walk. Joshua walked around the wall seven times. But before that, he was walking every step of the way through the wilderness to get to the walls where God wanted him and past Jericho and to Ai and then to the promised land. It's important that we understand that Joshua lived a life of obedience from Egypt to Jericho. Number two is cut the clutter. This can speak to every single person in this room, I promise. Cut the clutter. We're so busy. We're a busy culture. Is it sin? Do we, are we, do we have unconfessed hidden sin in our life that we need to let go of? That's a huge hindrance. Is it a relationship? Is there a relationship God's calling you to get out of that you've been, you've been fearful to get out of? Is it a job? Is it a job that you worship? Is it a job that you spend too much time at you've, you've lost track of your family? Is it a past disobedience, a past sin that you've allowed to control your life? Something that you have not let yourself experience freedom from your sin like God says you have through Christ. It could be any of those things. And then the other was time. Make time. Create margin in your life to be able to hear from God. Because unless you hear from God, you can't obey God. Number three is learn to listen. Huge. I'm the most stubborn person in this room. My wife will tell you. I'm stubborn. I don't listen to anything very often. It's huge. Learn to listen. Listen to God and do what he says immediately. Don't wait. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Just read the Bible and do what it says, what Brandon says. I love how he says that. Just read the Bible and then do what it says. Just, just read it. And then if you see something in there that's a command, put it into your life and walk it out. And it's not going to be easy at first. The first step is always the hardest. But once you take that first step, that second step, that third step, that fourth step starts becoming easier because you're starting to see the faithfulness of God in your life. You're starting to see him move. You're starting to see him faithful as he already said he was. And you're starting to see fruit in your life. So this morning, guys, what do you think about the Israelites whenever those walls came tumbling down after being there for six days walking? What happened in their heart? They were so encouraged. You think about a group of like, like rough, tough, like army guys, they were pumped up. The, army, the, the walls just fell down because they shouted and walked around the walls. God was in their corner because they were obedient to what God had said, and they were able to walk into Jericho without a fight, Harley. It's huge. God wants to see walls in our lives torn down. God wants to see walls in your life torn down this morning. He wants to, see, uh, he wants to show you what he can do with the life that's lived in obedience. But one of the greatest cancers I think that has entered the church is this. One of the greatest cancers I feel like that is, is, is the train of thought that we, claim, we can, that we are able to claim Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, but not obey the commands he lays out in scripture. That's a hard truth. Well, that we can claim Jesus as our Savior, but we don't obey the commands he lays out in scripture because that means we're accepting Christ as our, Lord, our Savior, but not our Lord. And this morning, I hope that we can surrender to his Lordship in our lives because that is the only way that we're gonna be able to experience what God has for us through obedience because Jesus has given us the, um, the only motivation we will ever need in the cross and in the Holy Spirit he's put inside of us to go after him. So many times in our connect groups that I've been a part of, the number one prayer request I've ever heard was, pray, I, I, pray for me that I can get more time in the word. Pray for me more, I, I can pray more. Those are a great prayer request. Don't get me wrong. 
But God has given us so much motivation through the cross that that's, that's our main motivation, that Christ has died and rose again for our salvation. That's a great motivation for us to get in the Word and to spend time with Him, and His Holy Spirit moves us out of that. And so we have to put ourselves in that position to hear from Him, guys. And so this morning, I just, I just want us to understand that we are His plan to, to present the gospel to a lost and dying world. And if you have the gospel in here this morning, if you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, and you carry the gospel, I want you to hear that a carrier of the gospel is by definition an administrator, administrator of the gospel. If you carry it, you have to give it. That's why it was given to you to give away. And so this morning, you know, I, I, take, a, I take a very honest look at the church as a whole, like a big C church here, that, that, and I, look, I compare it to the church in Acts and I ask myself one question. It's like, where's the power? Where's the power that I see in Acts moving throughout the church? Because you think, like I, I start thinking about this, that God didn't redeem us and place his spirit inside of us only for me to live a life that's only slightly different than the world. I might not sin as much. I might not do this as much. I'm a, I'm a little generous. You know, that's not, that's not it. God has called us to help deliver people who are, who are enslaved to sin who need Jesus, who, who, are, who are living their life apart from Christ. We're meant to go to them and, and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. But unless we live a life of obedience, we are, we'll be inefficient and effective and will become irrelevant to the world. And that can't be the way it is. We can't be irrelevant to the world. So this morning, I just want to kind of close, start, kind of close with this. Is that the scariest thing for a believer here this morning? If you're a believer in Christ, the scariest thing for you should be the thought that God wants to do more in your life and we settle for less by not obeying him where he's leading. That should terrify us. That God wants to move, but we're not, being, we're not movable because we're not willing to be obedient. Think about this. Think about if every single person in this room, every person in every church across every campus positioned themselves today to hear the voice of God and then did exactly what he said. What would that look like for Statesboro, for Vidalia, for Millen, for Dublin, and then for Pooler? This church would be unstoppable for the kingdom of God. We'd have to build a building every year. You'd be freaking Sean Fox out. So my point is, we need to understand that, listen, look at what he's done instead of looking at what you've done, because he's done more than enough to cover everything that you'll ever need or ever, or ever desire. All throughout the Bible, we see, we see threads of scripture all based around the same thing, about fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Christ. You're going through a problem, a storm, fix your eyes on Christ. You can't see above the clouds, fix your eyes on Christ. So this morning I was saying, you, know, you wanna be used by God? You wanna, do you wanna walk in obedience? Fix your eyes on Christ. How do you do that? How do you fix your eyes on Christ? Remember I said I like application. How do you fix your eyes on Christ? You open the pages of scripture and you read it. You eat it. You memorize it. You, you pour it into your soul because we cannot say God is not using us and God is not speaking to us if we have an inch of dust on our Bible at home. We have to understand that without scripture, it's going to be hard for us to hear from the Lord because this is one of the main ways he uses to speak to us. So what area in your life this morning, what area in your life individually, in my life, is God calling you to be obedient in? What area of your life is he calling you to take your next step? Is it salvation? Have you been playing games for a long time? I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. You've been sitting here and listening to Brandon or one of our other pastors speak to you, and your heart's been racing out your chest, but you haven't had the courage to raise your hand yet. 
Is that where you fall in line? Is that where you're at? That maybe today's the day of salvation for you. Is it, is it baptism? Next week we're having baptisms. Is that your next step? Is it missions? Is God calling you to a foreign nation to, to reach the nations for Christ? Is, is it to resolve a conflict in your family or work? Is it, um, it could be, is it to share, someone with, share Christ with someone? Maybe God's been drawing you, but you've been running away. But maybe today, like I said, is a day for salvation for somebody. At Connection, we love to celebrate people going from death to life, right? That's something that's worth to be celebrated. In Luke 15, verse 7, it says this. It says this. It says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. My heart this morning for you is for you to see that you were the one. If you're saved, you were the one at one point. If you're not saved, if you haven't walked into a relationship with Christ where Christ is Lord of your life and you're obeying him, then you were the one or are the one. And so this morning, if, you, if God is not, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you haven't turned the, 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 the keys of your heart over to him and said, I am yours, I'm walking in step with you, whatever you say, I'm going to do that. If you haven't done that, we want to give you an opportunity to walk into a relationship with Jesus this morning. We want to pray with you, and we want to pray for you, and we want to put you on a path where you're able to join a connect group and have some support. So if that's you this morning, if you've never done that, we just want you to be bold and raise your hand so that we can pray with you. If you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Anybody else? All right, keep them up because I'm having a hard time. See, okay. Awesome. For the rest of you, I, I, I promise you, if you dig hard enough, there's a next step in your life that you need to take. I promise. There's a next step in your life that you need to take. The question is, are you brave enough to take it? The question is, are you, are you ready to get serious with your relationship with Jesus enough to hear what he says and do it? And so I'm about to pray, and then I want you guys, if, if, you want, if you're needing to surrender, if you're needing to say, Lord, I'm on the same page with you, I want you to come down here, and I want you to give it to the Lord, and I want you to start brand new from here. The moment you get up from here and walk out of here, living a life of obedience and unison and step with the Lord. So as we pray, just, just feel free to come down. We'll have somebody to pray for you as well, so let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. God, I pray that you would just fill our hearts with your presence, God. Forgive us where we're wrong, God. Forgive us where we're off. Father, I pray for every heart here this morning, God, that is, that is seeking you. I pray for, for the person that didn't raise their hand this morning, God. I pray that you would continue to work on their hearts. God, I pray for the person here this morning that, that is at the altar that, that needs to surrender, Father, their life to you in a certain area. God, I pray that you would soften their hearts. I pray that you would mold them to be like you. And I pray, that, Lord, that you would use Scripture to mold their hearts, God, and mold their lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for, for all that you've done for us, all that you're doing in our church. And we're just so excited to see what's to come, Father. Lord, we just honor you. We bless you, Father. And it's your name I pray.